This is the great triumphal entry. Jesus coming into Jerusalem. I share with you today that life is one long march. And when you go to school, you find out that there are so many different entities to that march. You've got the march of childhood and the march of adolescence, and you've got the march of youth. Then you've got the march of career. Then you've got the march of I don't know what, until you get the SC march. That's where Joe and I are at, Senior Citizen March. And let me tell you something, no one skips a grade. You all follow through. You, some, some of us don't want to get there, but you're going to get there anyway, okay? Even if it doesn't show, you're still going to get there. But listen, life is a march. And I'd like you to compare today with me some of the triumphal marches. And you're going to find out that some, some of them weren't so triumphal, okay? And I'm going to end up with a march that's going to frighten you to death, but it's so beautiful, you're going to love it, okay? Was this Jesus' first march? No. Jesus first marched, literally, in the womb of Mary. What? Yeah. The trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She was nine months pregnant. It was a matter of days. I often wonder how that march was. Two strong young people. She's pregnant and on a donkey. He's probably got some kind of a water bottle and some extra blankets on that donkey. So during the tiring march, they could stay somewhere. They could rest somewhere. And when they're totally exhausted, they get to Bethlehem. Loneliest place in the world, yet it was packed with people. There were people everywhere. People in doorways, people in hallways. People at the local centers, why? Well, Rome had said, we will have a taxation. And the people had come into Bethlehem to pay their taxes because that is what the government required. And in that march came Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Interesting, there was no room for them. It was a very lonely place and slightly hostile. And yet, this is his first march. Interesting. I think you can understand that. Let me share what we're talking about today. I called it the parade of parades. A donkey, some children shouting, palms being laid out as a rug, some swaying in jubilance, a strange array of people. But in the middle of it all, now it's not Mary riding the donkey, it's Jesus riding the donkey. It seems that this is almost a donkey ride, whichever way you look at it. It was like this parade was not arranged by Rome. 
or the Jewish city council. They had nothing to do with it. It was like the parade of the misfits. No real dignitaries, no special order to the march. Everyone did what they pleased. Yet in this march of nobodies and children, there was joy and jubilance, shouts of triumph, and there was a halo around the entire ensemble. No wonder it was God's parade. His son was the Grand Marshal, and those the son loved best were present. Children and healed humanity, all of whom were touched by the master. A messy bunch, probably not a pretty sight in some instances, but look at the faces. Faces revealing and, re and revealing gratitude and joy. Faces of adoration and maybe some tears of joy. Why? Who were these faces? They were the blind eyes that were seeing now and the lame that were now walking with him. The demon possessed that was set free from demonic bondage. There was Lazarus back from the dead, Lazarus of Bethany. I can imagine the angels were peering from heaven, asking God to let them go to the parade of parades. How they longed to be a part of this great triumphal entry. Yet God held them back. This is not a moment of heavenly fireworks, but a time of earthly redemption. We love the shows, but God loves the healing. We want to be seen, but God wants only his son to be seen. We forget that the glitter and the glamour take away from really seeing him. Be still and know that he is God. Folks, this morning, have your private triumphal march with him. Throw up your arms. Hug your God. He's reachable. He's touchable. And guess what? He loves you. Life is a march. And we are going to march, and we thank God for that. You know, I think one of the things Jesus made so clear and so often, he said, let the children come unto me. And don't impede them. Don't stop them. I got something to tell you folks. When I think of childhood and I think of adolescence and youth, it's, it's such a mixed bag. Because when you're a child, you're too dumb to really know what's what. By the time you come to adolescence, you're so interested in being seen and in being smart and smirk and perk that you don't really catch the grasp of life. You're simply copying. You're simply imitating. You're simply going around and who's the latest fashion star? And who is the latest person on the scene? And we become them. That's adolescence. And then youth, hey, that's a whole different framework. But let's go back to what Jesus said. Let the children come unto me. You know, the more I think of that, and I think of today's world, with children being abused, 
with parents not caring for children, with men fathering children that don't even go near them once they're born. When I think of babies having babies, I, 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 have, I have the grips inside of me. I'm frightened. I'm scared. Because we're talking about less than a 10 or 11 year difference between mother and child. Let the children come unto me. Didn't he know it would be that way? Yes, he did. That's why he said, let them come. And that's why in the triumphal march of Jesus, there were children all around. Hundreds of children. They loved this man. Whenever the disciples would scoot them away, they'd go and say, Jesus said not to do that. And they'd run right in front of him. And he'd embrace them and he would love them. And when they were too tiny to reach him, he reached down and picked them up. His arms were forever filled. The march of the children. That's why here at Crossroads, we're going to live for our children. We're going to work for our children. And if necessary, we'll die for our children. Why? Because it's that time when, 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 the, when the clay is being molded. It's that time when the plastic is being uh, hardened. It's that time when truth is setting in. And if we're not there, they'll be on their own, wheeling and dealing with their own craziness, not even knowing that there was ever a counsel for them. Hey, folks, help us. Help us. Uh, this year, we're not going to have our VBS. We can't take them off to the country because we don't have 40, 40 or $45,000 like we put into it every year. You know, some people used to ask, what do you do with your money? We spend it. We spend it in ministry. We spend it on our children. But what we're going to do is have a double VBS right here in this big open space. We'll turn it into a gym. We'll turn it into a theater. We'll turn it into a learning place. We'll turn it into everything we have to turn it into for the grace of God. And the children will come. And later on when we're, we might just go out and do camp again. Maybe build our own. How do you like that? How do you like that? Yeah. All things are possible. All things are possible. But I like that. So I, I also have a work, a word for some of our cynical parents. You say, Pastor Amy, don't call me cynical. Okay. I won't call you cynical. I'll just call you laid back and self-centered. Does that sound better? You say, well, why, 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 why are you getting on us? I'll tell you why. Because life has burnt you out. You've permitted that the struggles, that the problems, that our own sin, and I mean that, get us so complicated that we burn out. And when we reach for our kids, we can't touch them for life. We almost kill them. Parents, wake up. Wake up. Love those kids. Embrace them. Kiss them. Wake up. You see, the merry-go-round of child rearing only goes around once and very slowly. 
You can't get back in the, on the merry-go-round. It's, it's over. It's over. Let it count for God and eternity. I was so blessed. I was reared in a Presbyterian church that gave me a little chair. And my teacher said if I went to Sunday school every Sunday, that chair would be mine. And I felt like the proprietor of that chair, and I never missed. When we moved away, I found a Lutheran church. And they took me to camp. I learned my first chorus. I learned my first song, Fairest Lord Jesus. The chorus was, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I never forgot it. Never. I want to fill the hearts and minds of our children because they were a part of the triumphal march. Kids all over. They couldn't have had horses. I think the kids would have been stomped by them because you know how horses are. They march so majestically. But there was just a lowly donkey. And the man riding on the donkey said to them, I'll never forget you. And he had blessed them. So folks, let me tell you, the triumphal march has to do with Jesus and his first march into Bethlehem as a babe. Unreceived, no one, no one. And now the triumphal march, ah. I, I called it and I said it and I wrote it. The March of the Misfits. Have you ever seen the picture of the revolutionary, the band that led the revolutionary march? One was Coho, you know, one was, uh, uh, he had problems. I think, I think he was peg leg, I'm not too sure. The other one had a patch over his head. And the other one was a drummer. His pants hanging low. But they were victorious and they were marching. I don't care if we look like that. Pants hanging down. Patch over our eye. Our head wobbling. Who cares? We will always be the march of the misfits. But watch out heaven. Angels will set aside when we walk in. Hallelujah. We will be the most welcome guest at the throne of God. Like you have never in your life seen. That's us. Feel good? I'm getting ready to march. Really I am. Now I want to show you the last march. It's a march that uh, many people don't know much about. But you're going to enjoy it. This is not the march of the misfits. Listen to me carefully. It's in the book of Revelation, so you know I've gone far for this one. And in the book of Revelation, we're looking at the 19th chapter. And something great is happening in this chapter. And I want you to see it, folks. Because you're in here. You may not see it, but you're in here. It's called the Wedding Feast of the Lamb. I like the title. Maybe I even like the wording, feast. Okay? The Wedding Feast of the Lamb. 
It's the 19th chapter, let's see. After this, I heard the shouting of a vast crowd in heaven. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Wow, they're going to say the same things we say. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Salvation is from God. Honor and authority belongs to him alone. For his judgments are just and true. He's punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sins, has avenged the murder of his servants. And again and again the voices rang. Praise the Lord. The smoke from her burning ascends forever and ever. And then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God, who was sitting upon the throne and said, Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I want you to see this, V. First of all, I want you to get the, the ambiance. What's going on? What's going on? Well, just, uh, hey, elders. Yes, elders. From the 12 tribes of Israel, elders. From the 12 uh, disciples of the Lord. And then a whole entourage. And what are they saying? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord forever and ever. And then out of the throne, listen to this, out of the throne came a voice, praise God all you his servants, small and great, who fear him. Then I heard that wonderful sound of shouting of a huge crowd, or like the waves of a hundred oceans. You talk about dramatics, the Bible's got it. In truth and in power and in glory crashing on the shore, or like the mighty rolling of thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the almighty God reigns. Let's be glad and rejoice and honor him. For the time has come for the wedding banquet of the Lamb. You're all going to be there. Are you hearing me? Do you see nothing in this book has failed? There's not a promise here that hasn't been kept. There isn't a truth that hasn't unveiled on human life and human hearts. It's a reality. I don't know how to send that home any deeper. I don't know how to tell it to you so you believe me. There's nothing in the book that has failed. There's no truth, there's no prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled. So you're looking at something that will happen. And from the throne, then I heard again a sound like the shouting of a crowd. And there goes the thunder and the lightning. Verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and honor him, for the time has come for the wedding banquet of the Lamb, and his bride, his bride has prepared herself. She is permitted to wear the cleanest, the whitest, and the finest of linen. Why? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it's a wedding dress, but guess what it is? The deeds of those that have believed. Would you believe it? You see, good deeds won't get you into heaven. But once you're in heaven, your good deeds will dress you. Isn't that interesting? The only one that gets you into heaven is Jesus. The only one that gets you into heaven is the truth of Jesus. The only one that gets you into heaven is the faith of Jesus. The only one that gets you into heaven is to love him and know that he is the savior. Now once you're in, there are a lot of things that you did for him that are going to show. And the first thing is going to show in your, in your clothing. You will be dressed in the finest, the whitest, the cleanest linen. Fine linen represents the good deeds done by the people of God. And listen to this. And the angel dictates this se sentence. 
Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, God himself has stated this. Oh, I, I love this. W worship is the sound of heaven. The bride is ready. And let me tell you, we're made ready because of our faith. And I mean that. Some people say, oh, Sister Amy, I'm, I'm not as ready as you are. Hey, cuidate. Watch out. You are ready. Because you see, ready isn't the type of work we do. Ready has nothing to do with the stairwell of the believer. Ready has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a minister and you're not. It has nothing to do with that. This feast has only to do with faith. It has only to do with believing. It has only to do with knowing that the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Oh, I, I, I get so excited about this. And, and let me tell you something. The perfection of Christians isn't when you compare yourself to another Christian. It's that you grow in your measure of faith before the Lord. That's perfection. Wait a minute. I, I don't read as much Bible as you. Uh, does that mean... Uh, I'm as perfect as you. If you're reading what you should be reading, you're as perfect. Do you understand what I mean? You don't put 12 ounces of milk into a newborn baby. He takes only three ounces. And that he'll take for a few months. And then he gets hungry and he takes a few more. Well, whether you come into the Christian taking three ounces of milk... And I'm in there taking 12 or whatever or not taking milk anymore. Your status and my status are the same. Isn't that marvelous? Are you hearing me? We're talking about God's justice. We're talking about everybody being where they should be according to your measure of faith. That's why there should be no jealousies in church. That's why there shouldn't be no pushing and shoving in church. That's why there should be no, I got a better position, you got a better position, are you this, are you that? Go away. It's our measure of faith. And where does the measure of faith come from? Sister, where do I get my measure of faith? The word. As you go reading and believing, and as the reading and the believing starts to soak into your being, and as what you read and you believe, starts making in you a foundation and you become in your own way unmovable and it's because of the substance that's within you isn't that marvelous hallelujah let me tell you something jesus said blessed are those that are at the lambs uh, the feast of the lamb and then and then then the angel says and god says so i love that you know you ever hear the mother the kid saying, well, why, should I, why should I do what you tell me to do? Why should I obey you? And I love, we're so, we got so much wisdom. Because I'm your mama. Move it, kid. Now God is saying to us, we're invited to the feast of the Lamb. Why? Because God said so. You may not have passed a lot of tests down here. And maybe somebody put you on the bottom of the totem pole. And maybe somebody didn't think you were so smart. And worthy of a high position. God is saying, hey, he's coming into the feast. But, and then God says, 
I said so. Mm. Come on in. I love that. Oh, I love that. You'll always have God fighting for you. Don't worry about people. Are you living right? Are you loving the Lord? Are you reaching out as you should? Are you taking care of business for God? Are you taking care of your own life and letting Jesus shine within you? You see, the most beautiful thing about you is Jesus. If he can't be seen, you're nothing. You may be an empresario. You may have a lot of money in your pocket. You may have a lot of gray material working in your favor. But if Jesus isn't seen through you, you're a sorry mess. I want them to see Jesus in me. Say amen. Come on. That's it. Get excited. When somebody says, you're so nice, you're so sweet. Turn around and say, I have Jesus. And then, and then tell them this. And he's still working on me. So they don't think it's pride. He's still working on me. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to verse 10. Right here. And what does it say? And then, they, then I fell down. Oh, listen to this. Blessed are those who are invited. That's the ninth verse. To the feast of the Lamb. And he added, God himself has started this. In other words, this is God's plan. This party belongs to God. Have you ever gone to a party where you weren't invited? Isn't that a horror show? You're sneaking in some corner hoping nobody's looking for your invitation. Isn't that something? I, I used to sneak into parties and sit in the corner somewhere and just hope the hors d'oeuvres tray would pass by. I, I didn't care. I just, I just knew the food was good and the party was going to be great, so who cares? And then all of a sudden I noticed all the executives are there and all the big shots are there. And I said, hey, que importa? I tell them I work on the seventh floor. Hey, folks, it is so matchless. It is so matchless. God himself has invited us there. Then I fell down. Now, this is John. This is John. You've got to realize the man is scared half out of his wits. He's been thrown on this island. He's been put there for preaching the gospel. He's been put there so they can shut his mouth. Because he was so old. He was 100 years old. He could no longer preach standing up. He sat down. But wherever he preached, revival fires broke out. Wherever he preached, Christians were more bold for Jesus. Wherever he preached, he turned the place upside down and inside out. And everybody would say to the, to the head of the Roman government, What is he like? What are his dynamics? And the people would say, No dynamics. Well, what does he do? He sits down. Well, when he sits down, what does he do? He talks. Well, what does he talk about? He talks about Jesus. And he tells the people to love him. And then he says that Jesus loves them. What else? No, no, he says that many times. How does he end up? Telling again about the love of Jesus. You mean to tell me these people are all stirred up because this little old man that can't even walk He's so old, tells him to love Jesus. And then he says, you know, boss, he's old and he's tired and he sits on a chair. But there's something in the room. It, 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 it's like magnetic. Boss, if you go there, you think you're sitting in a cloud. Can you hear the Roman official saying, you crazy? 
You starting to feel what these people feel? Get out of here. But that was John's ministry. That was his ministry. Now he's in it. Now he's God's taking him to heaven. God's taking him to heaven. And then he falls down at his feet and he falls down to worship the angel that's taking him around. Because you see, he's so awestruck. This is so important that John is just looking and he doesn't, now he doesn't know what to do. He has heard all the hallelujahs you can possibly hear. He's heard all the praise of the Lord. So he bows down and he says to the angel, you know, he worships the angel. Oh, I thank you. I thank you for bringing me here. Oh, I thank you for showing me all of this. Oh, you're so kind. Oh, I love you. I love you. Oh, angel, you're so beautiful. And the angel looks at him and says, don't. Don't you dare. I'm just a servant. I'm just like you. What you did on earth, we do in heaven. We're only servants. Hey, folks, I learned a lesson about that last night as I read and as I studied if only leaders across the world would understand that when your following starts to worship and adore you, when your following thinks that you are a living Christ, if only they had the Spirit of God to say, Stop. Stop. We wouldn't have Koresh's. We wouldn't have people that could take off thousands of people. Joneses. But they don't. Once the eyes are fixed on them, they think they are God. Leadership is such a delicate position. And wherever a leader starts to drink, and whenever a leader starts to drink in praise, and whenever a leader thinks he's the big thing or she's the big shot, that's the beginning of the end. Believe me. You've got to get close to your people and say, hey, wait a minute. We worship God. You and I, we're just the same. We walk together. We tremble together. We laugh together. And one day we'll sit at the Lamb's Feast together. Praise the Lord. Now I want you to see a verse that's, that is the most important verse of this whole 19th chapter. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. And he said, no, don't. For I'm a servant of God as you are, and as your brother Christians are, who testify of their faith in Jesus. Worship God. The purpose of all prophecy, and of all I have shown you, is to tell about Jesus. The purpose of all prophecy is to tell about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's the greatest prophecy on the face of the earth today. We have to realize that. This chapter goes on to tell us the titles of Jesus. He's the faithful and the true one. He's the head with many crowns. Read that chapter tonight. Take the 19th chapter with a nice hot cup of tea or hot chocolate. Get next to your bed, turn on your lamp, and make this 19th chapter yours. You'll find out that Jesus is faithful and true. He's the head with many crowns. He's the word of God. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And out of his mouth, 
comes a sharp sword. Hey folks, the center of our adoration here is Jesus Christ. There is nothing that will ever take its place. God has given us an upper room music company to use it as, uh, let me put it this way, to use it as an instrument to touch the hearts and lives of people. There are people that won't come to hear a sermon, but they love good music. And we've got that to use it to the glory of God. And while every instrument is playing, while every guitar is strumming, while the drums are beating out uh, rhythms that we love, may Jesus be the center of everything we do. So that when people hear, they can only hear Jesus. They can only see Jesus. They can only love Jesus. It's the most important thing of our lives. Our work for children, all we want to do is imprint in their hearts the name of Jesus. I've got so many stories, folks, of children that have gone home to win their parents. Mommy, you better go to church. You send me, you take me, but you better go because Jesus loves you. You hear your little kid telling you all these things and you wonder, can I send you? Who teaches him? We do. We do. We send every child home to win his own. We send every child home to pray for his mommy and daddy. We send every child home. You see, we've got a triumphal march every single Sunday. This is our triumphal march to tell the world about Jesus. That's why you'll never find us erratic. You'll never find us going off into tantrums. You'll never find us having a hold down or a blowout or a, a shindig or a whatever it is, a bash. We don't need it. All we need is to tell you about Jesus. And while we tell you about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us. The grace of God is sufficient to us. His presence is awesome. I want you to love Jesus, folks. And if you have never had that experience of saying, well, well I, 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 I respect Jesus, so I, I sure do respect him. No, 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 don't talk to me about respecting. I respect police officers too. No, don't talk to me about respecting, talk to me about loving. But wait a minute, wait a minute, how can you get chummy with God? Listen, that's the way I felt when the preacher said to me, he wants to be your friend. And I laughed. I thought to myself, wow, she's daring. She gets chummy with God. <laughs> and you know something? She enticed me. She spoke to me. And then she said to me, all he wants you to do is say yes. And I thought to myself, wow, mm, I got to think this one over. I did. And you know what? He was waiting for me. I found out. He was waiting for me. I was dragging my feet. My mind was saying, eh, those people, that place, eh. But you know what? Once he put his arms around me, I felt the warmth of who he is. His truth traveled into my brain until it was exploding. And then that truth settled in my heart. It then went into the marrow of my being until at this age, there isn't anything superior to him. There isn't a child that I've birthed that is superior to my God. There isn't a husband that I love. 
that's superior to my God. Just nothing. Why? Because it's in him that we can love the world and love our own. It's in him that we can love and learn. Hey, folks, I talk about marriages all the time. And I talk about marriages because I want to put a bubble, or better said, I want to put a pin in the bubble of anybody looking for a perfect marriage. They don't exist. Oh, Sister Amy, I've got a perfect marriage. Well, check out. Either you or your husband are retarded. <laughs> check it out. Check it out. Why do you say that? You know, you're, you're, you're like cruel. You speak so beautiful about Jesus, then you get down to us and you knock us. No, I'm not knocking us. Let me tell you why it's, it will never be perfect. Because two brains never become one. A body may, in a sexual encounter, and be beautiful because it's ordained of God under the shadow of marriage under the blessing of marriage. But as far as mind, you'll always be yourself. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You live with a man long enough to know exactly what irks him. Well, honey, you got your job now cut out for you. Deal with it, wheel it, work on it. But above everything, be kind and be loving. Okay? Men, she is abroad bad one? That's okay. She's the one God gave you. <laughs> so hang on tight. Love her dearly. And guess what? You'll have an explosion in the knowledge that this is what God wants. And when you're pleasing him, connections down here become easier. Say amen. amen. My friends, Jesus loves you. And he wants to be your friend. And I would say to you the following. Make him your friend. I give you an open invitation to simply say, I want Jesus. I need him as my friend. I don't have him as a friend. I'm scared of him half the time. I'm running away the other half. But I, 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 I have a concept of being my friend. You know, I'm so crazy. I, I don't think anybody wants to be friends with me. Well, he does. As crazy as you are. Is there anybody here that would say, I want Jesus as my friend? Just honest. You want him as your friend? How, how about standing? You want Jesus as your friend wherever you are? Yes, you want him as your friend? I don't care how many times you've done it. Sister, brother, I want Jesus as my friend. Sometimes you have him as Lord and Master. Sometimes you have him as God. But you see, those are titles that rise up beyond the clouds. You've got to have one down here. And what's the title down here? He's your friend. And he loves you.